We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. I'm Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in studio with two people, Ooh. not one, just one person, but, but it's really exciting today because on Women Worth Knowing, we actually have a woman worth knowing oh. in the studio. Yes. So Jasmine, you want to tell us more about this woman who's worth knowing, who's going to talk about a woman worth knowing? <laughs> no. We have a lot of women worth knowing going on yes, here, yes. but yes. <laughs> well, the woman worth knowing, sharing about women worth knowing is my mother, <laughs> who is the woman I admire more than anyone in the world. And so I think she definitely needs to be known. But we're not going to tell her story. We're going to let her share about uh, some other stories. And I just want to say really quickly, um, just my my mother, and you probably know this if you've been listening uh, to our program, she's kind of the um, missionary biographies guru. Um, she actually started the first uh, missionary biographies class that was taught for one of the our Calvary Chapel Bible College campuses. Yeah. And it's kind of neat because that kind of got passed on to me and then several other people. There, yeah. There's even a gal teaching uh, down at the Bible College campus this semester in Murrieta. So that class is kind of spread. So obviously, there are other people who really think these women— And, and yeah. didn't you start doing it because they are worth knowing? <laughs> yes. Totally. They are so worth and Absolutely. I'm, that's why I'm doing two today. So she's going to yes. cover, and that's the other fun thing. She oh. pulled us a kind of a tie-in story with two of them. So my mother, Debbie Allnut, is here. Yeah. And she Wait, is going to be— you she, talk about where your mom lives. Oh, sorry. I, I'm just sorry, because part of the reason you're worth knowing is um, <laughs> besides being the mother of Jasmine oh, yes. <laughs> and being the mother of Maddie, whose husband is a pastor in Scotland, yes. is you're a pastor's wife yourself yeah. and your husband, Marshall, that you both moved how many years ago to England? Twenty. 20, 20 years, years ago yeah. to start a fellowship in England. I mean, that's a big move because you were both really settled in the States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you guys loved the Lord so much. Mm -hmm. And when you felt that call, you responded. Because, I mean, I hate to say this, but you were middle-aged. I mean, yeah. how many people in middle age <laughs> respond yeah. to the call of God? It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. most of the people that we're talking about that were missionaries, they went when they were young. Yeah. But to go and to have that burden to minister, and mm -hmm. not only that, but just for a second, you not only you've you've also lived in two other countries, yeah, and and ministered there. So just tell yeah. us a little bit about. Well, we were three and a half years in London, and then um, we were asked to come help David Gusick with a Bible college in Siegen, Germany. So we were there for um, three semesters, and that's where David asked me. Um, class I would like to teach. And I said, oh, um, I've been reading missionary biographies. I'd love to do that. And he said, okay, why don't you just get something together? We'll do that. And then after three semesters in Germany, mm -hmm. we were asked to go to Spain mm -hmm. and help um, Rafa and Loretta to start a Bible college there. So we went and did that. And then <laughs> we went back to London and we planted a church on the east side of uh, London, yeah. which we call the Docklands. It's the, the Docklands. Docklands. Yes. Docklands. And it was yeah. when you were in Spain, you were actually on the island of Mallorca. We yeah. were. And that's where um, our dear friends, Rafael and Loretta Manzanares right. yeah. are, which that is was really exciting. But yeah. I mean, that's a lot of bravery mm -hmm. because most people are like, no, I've got my house. I've got, you know, my cars. Um, I've got my possessions, my kids, yeah, my kids well, you know, mm. and you're so used to life. Yeah. And people so love their comfort. Mm. But to me, it's a real testimony that you're willing to give up that comfort <laughs> and just go wherever the spirit leads. Mm -hmm, and I love mm -hmm. 
the place that you're renting. I love your house. And, oh. <laughs> you know, this is not an invitation yeah. to anybody out there because you have to know, you have to go through somebody else. Yeah, you got to go through us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they do. But you and your husband both have the gift of hospitality. Yeah, they do. And one thing I love about your house is it's filled with interesting books. Yes. yes. And many of these Some missionary, of these yes, and many of these missionary biographies that we're talking about. I mean, Jasmine will be like, my mom has that one or my mom can get yeah, that one. Yeah, she'll get it for you. Don't worry, <laughs> yes. Cheryl. Yeah. So, you know, which is fascinating. But we're here to hear what yes. you yes. want to say. So yes, please, sure. Okay, well, um, I wanted to share two stories from the lives of two women who were missionaries in India and Africa. Mm -hmm. um, the first was Edith Studd Buxton. She was daughter of Priscilla Studd, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. CT, yep. that you shared about a few weeks ago. And then the other is Mary Warburton Booth. She was a contemporary of Amy Carmichael, mm -hmm. and she's the one that served in India. So both of these women faced a time in their missionary service mm -hmm. of deadness. Mm -hmm. And one day God came in and showed them a better way with um, 1 Corinthians 12 in mind. Keep on desiring the better gifts, and I will show you the best way of all. Mm. So by his spirit and by his word, um, God opened the eyes of these two women to see the dynamic that was missing in their service, and he was going to show them just the best way of all. Mm. And so first, Edith, Edith Stud Buxton, um, she was born in England, but her happiest childhood memories were from the days that she spent in southern India with her family when they served as missionaries, remember, in mm -hmm. Utakamun. Yeah, Budi. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that was um, from 1900 to 1906. She was eight years old when she got there. So they were tutored by English governesses. They learned to play the piano, to ride horses with their father, and, of course, they learned to play Cricket. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she excelled because she was her father's tomboy. Okay. Can we just mention, this yeah. is the daughter, C.T. Studd. The, yep. And yep. what's really interesting we were um, is that C.T. Studd, um, his father and his brother, Kanastan, were super big supporters of D.L. Moody. Oh, financially and hmm. otherwise. Going to connect to something Good you share connection. soon. Later. <laughs> yes. yes. So this is important. But also Priscilla... Um, Priscilla Studd, knowing yeah. that her husband, her father was a famous cricketer in London yeah. mm -hmm. who um, graduated from Cambridge. Yeah, very prestigious. Uh, and was influenced by D.L. Moody. And yes. that's gave up his Definitely. whole wealth right. mm -hmm. to go into the mission field. Mm -hmm. But he's in India. And obviously her life is still pleasant as far as she still has some of the amenities of, <laughs> yes. of wealthiness. Right. They're reaching Wealth. out to expats mm -hmm. in the country right, right now. Right. So she was 14 um, when the entire family left India. But before they left, the parents gathered a very auspicious group of people to witness the four daughters getting baptized. Mm. One of them was Amy Carmichael. Mm. And not only did they um, have this crowd of witnesses watching their baptism, each person in the group quizzed the girls on their personal faith. Wow. So it says, by the end <laughs> yes. of the ordeal— each girl passed, and they were yeah. all baptized. Wow. So only C.T. Studd would think of yes, such a yes, thing. Yes, really. yes, <laughs> especially the quiz. Oh, my goodness. So when the family moved back to England, they often visited with another missionary family who had served in Japan. That was um, Barclay and Margaret Buxton, mm. and they had four sons, so the four daughters and the four sons. Mm. And one of them was Alfred, and he later became engaged to Edith um, before he left to mm -hmm. serve in the Congo with Edith's dad, mm -hmm. C.T. Studd, right? Mm -hmm. So later, 
as Edith herself was leaving for the Congo to join Alfred, um, she was feeling really fearful and uncertain, calling herself the reluctant missionary Mm -hmm. because she had a heart for the lost, but she didn't have her father's passion. She wrote in her autobiography that's called The Reluctant Missionary that though she admired her husband and her dad greatly, she just felt substandard next to them. Mm. So they were in Africa to evangelize the world, but she was mostly there because Alfred was there. Mm -hmm. Once when she was speaking at her farewell meeting for the mission, she had said, I'm really just going to uh, Africa because where the carrot is, the donkey goes. (laughs) And her husband had red hair, so everybody, he was a carrot. (laughs) (laughs) So she said, Long before I reached Nala, I knew I didn't fit. I didn't like my fellow missionaries, and I'm quite sure they did not like me. Hmm. I became critical, often speaking ill of my neighbors. I was bored. Had I not been happily married, I could have not have stood the isolation. But there's no place like Africa for finding you out. Hmm. So, as she taught reading and writing to her little group of boys, um, she would be bored and she'd Mm. be thinking of home. On Thursdays, the mail would come and she would dream about tea and letters from home. And at last, when the end end of the day came, she'd say, Quasi Keisha, work is finished. (laughs) And in her mind, she was saying, thank goodness. Mm. (laughs) And she hurried home to her tea and her letters. She was inclined to shout, at home to she her got that cook. from her father, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, she was known by her cook, her houseboy, her waterman, and her woodchopper, all of them, as Mrs. Strongmouth. Oh, jeez. One night in their second year in the Congo, she overheard the boys in the dormita- dormitory sorry, doing takeoffs of all the missionaries. <laughs> and they were saying, this is how Buona Davy walks. This is how Mama Buxton shouts in the kitchen followed by screams of laughter. Oops. So she'd been in the Congo now two years when God began to speak to her heart. She was 27 now, and she said, I saw myself for the first time as I was before God, first and foremost, selfish, self-centered, mm. dishonest in small, mean ways. I did not like my missionary neighbors nor the Africans. Does this remind you of all, have you heard the pineapple story? Oh, yes, I don't remember it, though. You can watch you know the video, but this reminds me a lot yeah. of the pineapple story where the man who went um, was more interested in raising pineapples than That's ministering right. to the people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's work, kind work. of that attitude, yeah. right? Just doing it, yeah. duty mm-hmm. and all that, yeah. She said, in fact, I was trying to do the work with a tool of an unloving heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So as she prayed, she felt a new peace and rest start entering her heart. She began to read her Bible more. And the inner voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, it's no use your preaching about love and gentleness of Christ during the week while you're pushing your houseboys around at home. Hmm. She said, all right, show me how. So she simply started by talking to the boys with kindness instead of shouting. It was a simple thing, but soon her houseboys were willing to do her slightest wish. Mm. There was one missionary there that absolutely drove Edith crazy. What shall I do about her, she asked God. That morning, she'd read from her Bible how Mary had taken a box of ointment, broke it, and gave it. 
And the thought came to her, send her something of value now. Mm-hmm. So she wrote about the passage um, on Mary on a little piece of paper, tucked it in with a gift, and sent it along with one of her houseboys. In no time, the missionary arrived with some fresh-baked cakes on a plate. Mm. They smiled, and they thanked each other with a new gentleness and freedom between them, Mm. and the barriers never returned. Thank Jesus. Yeah. One evening, when Alfred was away, another knock came at Edith's door. It was another missionary that had come out from England, um, and she sat down and said, We have all noticed a change in you. What's happened? And she answered, For the first time in my life, I've seen myself as I was before God, Mm. selfish, dishonest, and unloving. And I shared with her all the things I'd done since first confessing to God and how he'd led me. With a cry of anguish, the missionary got up and ran from the house. (laughs) And then Edith, when she finally found her, said, whatever made you do that? And she said, Well, one word that you spoke just pierced my heart, and I realized that I needed to go and make it right with another missionary at once. Mm. So God was moving among the team. Mm -hmm. Some of the African elders came next, and they said, Tell us, what has made you new? Edith told them what God had shown her, and with open eyes and open mouths, they said, But Mama, we can understand this. Much of what is preached to us from the pulpit is just a cloud of words that we can't see through. But we can see this. Wow. So God was doing finally in Edith's mission. She Mm -hmm. was getting an effective work done for the Lord. And Mm. it was great. Do you remember how Pastor Chuck used to talk about the exhaustion that comes from serving others in your own strength? Mm -hmm. He said, if you choose to serve that way, you're going to have to work harder and harder to keep things going. Mm -hmm. But conversely, if you learn to serve others with the Holy Spirit and with God's love, then um, things change. Mm -hmm. So when the Holy Spirit convicted Edith, Mm -hmm. she agreed with him. Mm-hmm. Right? right? She repented. And then she began to seek him more actively, praying more, reading her Bible more. And soon he was showing her how to serve others with love and by his spirit. Dude, I love that. It's just so practical. And that's something you don't have to be a missionary to do. I mean, yeah. anyone can just seek, like, Lord, how can I? I love that. The story of the the other missionary. I'll, I'll give her a gift. You know what yeah. I mean? And- well, it reminds me of Hudson Taylor, who had become so worked up about the missionaries yeah. and how to serve them yeah. and how to serve them. And when he kind of had the little bit of the mental ba- breakdown, yeah. the yeah. whole thing he learned was abiding. Yes. And that, and that his favorite hymn became, Jesus, I am resting, mm. resting in the joy yes. of what thou art. I was just reading NASB in Psalm 127. And that's what, unless the Lord... Uh, builds the city, they labor in vain mm. that build it. Yes. Unless the Lord, you know, keeps the city, they labor in vain who, you know, safeguard it. And then it says, um, it's no use, you know, to get up early and to stay up late and to you'll yeah. eat the, the fretful bread. Yeah. And it says, and this was NASB, he works even while his beloved sleep. Yes, yeah. I love that. And love so that while we are trusting in him and resting in him and he gives us the strength Mm -hmm. to do it i mean Mm -hmm. he keeps the city so we don't have to worry he he 
who give you the ideas. Yes. She didn't, that didn't come from That's her. Right. Like, yeah. oh, I can do but this there for was that person. The, there was a responsibility of obedience, sure. wasn't there? Yeah. And yeah. I love yeah, that, too. I love like that you too. said, she agreed with God. That's yeah. right. Instead of like, oh, a yeah. cooperation, <laughs> right? Yeah, instead yeah. of justifying like yourself. Beautiful. Exactly. The, so a similar thing yeah. like that happened with um, Mary Warburton Booth. Mm-hmm. Um, she was another British woman who God led um, to Southern Africa. Or no, no, India. Is she related to the Booths? No. Okay. Oh, really? I, everyone oh. thinks so. Yeah. I well, know. that's why Mari and mine need there. to know. Yeah. <laughs> so she know. went to southern India. Because mm-hmm. she's about the same time as the Booths. Yeah. I think that's why. I thought so, too. Like they're uh-huh. Were they doing Amy Carmichael's time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. What a golden time that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, seriously. She eventually started this uh, minister ministry in India called Gakapur Nurseries. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was similar to Amy's Donover Fellowship. Oh, cool. But after five and a half years of serving in Gakapur, she was so disappointed that she had seen so few changed lives. Mm -hmm. In her autobiography called My Testimony, she wrote, I never worked so hard in my life. What was wrong? Mm. And with these feelings, she went on her first furlough after five and a half years back to England. For seven months, she sought the Lord, hoping to return to any village in southern India except for Gakapur. Mm. <laughs> she wanted to try another place, believing that she'd be more successful there. Mm. But, of course, the Lord had other plans, and he sent her right back to Gakapur. Mm. But soon he opened the doors for her to start a ministry to provide a home for child widows and unwanted children. She wrote, it took me a long time to grasp that I needed to spend more time in prayer. I realized that I must rise up early to pray, but how could I do it? The Indian climate encourages sleep. I tried, but when I knelt, I fell asleep. Um, I tried again, but with the same result. I opened my Bible to read, but my mind was not awake. I was a dazed early riser who could sleep better than pray. And I was so unsuccessful that I just dropped the whole thing and went out to face the day without prayer. I asked myself, what was the good of getting up early? As I tried to answer the question, it sifted down to, I was really getting up to meet Jesus. Mm. Getting up for devotions or quiet time just did not speak to me. But when I said, I want to meet him, all my being responded. And this was just a wonderful revelation to me. Mm. When I got up to meet Jesus— He was there to meet me, and he taught me how to pray and to wait before him. Scriptures became treasure. Prayer became vital. And it wasn't long before I discovered it takes time to know God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. she saw that her 4 a.m. trysts with God were transforming her life and perspective. And one Monday morning after family present worship were over, there came a time for Bible reading Um, with all the girls, arranged by age and understanding. She walked across the compound to where 20 of what she called her growing up girls had gathered on the veranda. She wrote, why did I always feel so exhausted after time spent with these 20 girls? Mm -hmm. Talking it over with her friend Muriel later that day, she was troubled as she heard her say, I feel exactly how you do. Mm -hmm. They are a dead weight. Mm -hmm. Mary responded saying, Something must be done. She wrote, the truth had to be faced. Here were 20 of our own children whom we had raised from babyhood. They looked like Christians. 
They dressed like Christians. <laughs> they were respectable. Um, they were regular attenders at prayers and family worship. Most of them read their Bible every day. They seemed to have reached the dignity of womanhood, but had missed the best on the way. They are dead, I said. They have no life, and we have got to face the situation. And I wept before the Lord in utter misery, and I cried to him to send his Holy Spirit among us. Mm. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) So, feeling a failure, having poured years into this ministry, she realized there is no life in it. And the next morning, Mary looked into every girl's face and pondered and turned to Matthew 3, prepare the way of the Lord. She didn't get very far um, when the sense of deadness just gripped her as she looked at the orderly rows of all the Mm. little girls. It just stung her soul, and she thought, can these dead bones live? Mm. Will life come here? Then all of a sudden the verse came to her mind, my soul wait upon the Lord. My expectation is from him. Psalm 62. I love yes, that. Ah, exactly. Wow, she didn't have to say it. All right, there we go. Been there. <laughs> yeah. So she wrote, at that moment, I knew God would do something for us. Hmm. She began to tell the 20 growing up girls why Jesus came hmm. and what his coming was for. And then she met, read Matthew 3.10. And the girl sat up. Wow. And when she said, and now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bring good fruit will cast, be cast into the fire. Wow. When Mary read that verse, <laughs> um, the girls sat up again, and they looked at their Bibles, and they looked at each other, and Mary said, Jesus said, repent. Mm. God had called us to repentance, I said, and that is where we must begin, girls. But there was no response. Hmm. There was just a surprised indifference. They were neither convicted nor convinced. She wrote, then I sat and had a good look at them all. And I said, it's not your fault that you are the way you are today. But I firmly believe that God is calling us to repentance. Yet if you don't know what your sins are, how can you repent? So we will begin to pray, Lord, Show me what my sin is. Wow. Lord, show me what my sins are that I might be saved from them and repent. Mm. Morning by morning, Mary met with the growing up girls, believing that as the girls were praying, God would soon answer. Mm. And she did begin to see this indescribable something working its way among them. They no longer just sat like vessels waiting for her to pour something into them. They were awake now. Mm. Yes. No, I just think that's really neat because I think if you grow up in the church, sometimes you can just feel like, I remember one of the missionaries, actually Betty Stam's husband, John, had that problem. He's like, I'm fine. I, you know, I I don't need to. So just Mm -hmm. to come to realize, oh, I actually am a sinner and I need a savior. It's almost like Jesus is just kind of there if you're growing up with him instead of realizing, oh, I need to be saved from something. Well, that's one too. But I also love how this is a process. Yes, that too. Because we're so into instant. Mm -hmm. Like I prayed, I read my Bible, I went to minister and nobody responded. (laughs) Well, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I had, I knew of one couple and they went um, 
to a certain city. I, I remember her telling me, like, I said, oh, are you still at this place? And she's like, oh, no, we left. We were there for six months. And, <laughs> you know, we had we had hardly anybody. And then we had this crowd of Pentecostals that came through. And then they all left together. And we were back with the first four people. And I said, that's kind of the beginning of, like, every church. That's, like, yeah. the church story beginning. Yes. That's how it starts. That's, mm. that's what happens. Yeah. You just stay and you keep tilling the ground. And I think that we've lost the whole idea of a process. Yes. And I love that this is a process. That yes. she says she begins. Yes. You know, I, there's that scripture in Jeremiah that says, um, it's not my word like a hammer, saith the Lord, that breaks the mm, rock in pieces. Mm-hmm. But a hammer doesn't immediately with the first blow break the rock. <laughs> yeah. It takes the it consistent blows of the hammer. So I'm loving this. Yeah. <laughs> so true. She said, it takes time to know God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. So one morning, Mary went into them, and she knelt with them, and only tears were their prayers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, there were loud crashes of thunder that shook the earth, and dark clouds gathered quickly. Lightning flashed, and daylight was turned into darkness. She wrote, mm-hmm. we were shut in the cottage together, and it was dark. The suddenness of the coming windstorm was a parable to us. Mm. The wind held and great expectation gripped us. I felt a hand in mine. Mama G, please pray. And (laughs) I did. We were all in there, shut in with God, and the noise outside increased while we drew closer together in that little cottage room. It was too dark to see faces and too noisy to hear voices, but I knew that God the Holy Spirit had come in and was now speaking to hearts. Mm. Mm. I could see, but I did not hear. Mm. I felt. Mm. And just as suddenly as the storm began, it dropped, and we saw the havoc all around us. Mm. The air cleared, the daylight came in, and sand, dry and painful, was everywhere. It covered everything, hid in our eyelids, entered our ears, (laughs) found a place in our hair, Everything we touched was gritty, and we knew that everything everywhere had to be clean. This was no soft answer to our prayers. We had the unpleasant experience of conviction of sin, hard, gritty, and painful. It seemed as though every secret sin was brought to light, and I saw something of the Holy Spirit's power that compels us to confession and restitution. Mm. Shortcomings were revealed, and bickerings, jealousy, envy, unthankfulness, lack of love, grumbling, pride, hard Mm. hearts were labeled as my sin by the girls. Mm. It was no longer our sin, but my sin. They... Uh, that early prayer, oh God, show me my sin that I may repent, had reached the heart of God, and he answered us thoroughly. Mm. Love came down and lifted us out of the miry clay, and we began to sing. Mm. She wrote, never will I forget that great awakening. After this sandstorm rain, mm. there was a cry of relief with the first burst of the monsoon. Some girls ran out into the rain to be drenched. One girl stood perfectly still with her hands stretched wide and face lifted up to the sky Mm. while the rain fell on her. And I was spellbound as I watched her. And suddenly she saw me and said, Mama G, isn't this wonderful? Mm. And I thought to myself, when sin is confessed and put away, the Holy Spirit will take possession of his temple. And Mm. I began to see a difference in those growing up girls. Mm. I knew that he whom we sought had come into his temple and the Holy Spirit had come to abide. 
So Edith and Mary went on to serve the Lord in Africa and India for many years. Mm. Each of them had had that transforming moment when the Holy Spirit came in and changed striving into joy. I love that. You know, one of the things um, I was talking to my son about, we were just talking about um, this the other day, but when we refuse to agree with God about the sin Mm. and we blame others because that's Mm -hmm. what we do, don't we? We blame others. You know, we blame the place, we blame the circumstances. We're in a pandemic. Like like Mary was saying, if I was someplace else, you know, we blame everything. But we don't take responsibility. We we miss the lessons. Mm-hmm. And think about how our eyes were open that mm. even a sandstorm took on parabolic yeah. uh, meaning. And mm-hmm. and the rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit that comes down after the sin is dealt with. Oh, I yes. love it. And Beautiful. and even we were talking about earlier, we did our Mark study and um, just that idea of how we were talking about the transformation in the disciples. Yes. And how you look uh-huh. at them yes. in Mark or in, yes. you know, and then you look at them in the book of Acts and it's like, yeah. The Holy Spirit That's right. completely transforms. That's right. That's so cool. What we cannot do for ourselves, yeah. he can't. Amen. But he can't do it while we're holding on to sin. Yeah. What's that scripture? If I regard iniquity in yeah. my heart, the Lord will not hear. The Lord will yeah. not hear. He, can't, he can't work. What can he do? Yeah. Until we confess it and we get rid of all those impediments between yeah. us and the yeah. Lord. I love it. So good. It's Malachi 3, 1 says, um, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Hmm. So. Clean it up and get ready, and he will come in. You just love that. that. It's beautiful. I do. It's beautiful. (laughs) Mom, um, quickly, as we wrap up, um, books. What what, Did you have an Edith Buxton book and a Mary Warburton book for us? Yeah. The one that you guys used, the C.T. and Priscilla by um, Eileen Vincent, Mm -hmm. has a lot about Edith in there. And then also Reluctant Missionary. Mm -hmm. I read that. Yep. Yep. It's so good. Yeah. And then Mary Warburton Booth um, heard. Autobiography is my testimony. Okay. I've actually, we own that. Oh. We, it's in our, we have a little women's library. Oh, it's in there? And oh, it's gosh. in there. Super mm-hmm. good. <laughs> actually, I was going to do it. And oh. now I don't. Yeah, well, there you go. Oh, actually, we'll put it in. The, we'll put it. so much more. Yes. But oh that's yes. a teaser. It'd be a good one to read. So yes. much <laughs> more. Yes. We'll be putting that in the, um, it's in our library. If maybe Super. somebody who's in the area would yeah, like to. Please. We have a little women's library here at Calvary. That you can come and check out some of these older books. Yes, please. So, get, yeah, that was a great teaser to give you like right. a hunger for more. That's so, right, because in that library, we have other names and other books of women that are worth knowing. knowing. Worth <laughs> knowing. That's right. Thank you That's for true. joining us on this edition. Debbie, Thank it was such you. a joy to have Thank you, you to see you, to have you. I yes. love this. Next time, next time you come, we're going to we're gonna we'll make you do you. another. Yes. Or, or, or somebody else. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.